This is a certified Big Soy Naturals classic. I have a problem. I look like Jared Padalecki. I got them Supernaturals. So my value right now is zero. If you think about it, AI is actually the fastest path to communism. Forced farming is really not a vibe. Hi, hello, pay pigs, hello, prayer warriors. Um, you know, usually we spend 25 minutes doing preamble um, where we mostly just talk, and you love it. You love it. Um, and it's also not a preamble, it's very important <laughs> it's very information. Important. People they love, love learning, learning important information, they love uh, pretending that we're their friends. Um, but this time we're going to start right off because uh, we have some special guests today. Um, you might have heard that we have some celebrities coming on, and they are celebrities. Um, we are going to be talking to uh, Sadness and Ozzy, who both run the Yesterweb ring on NeoCities. Um, so, hi guys, would you like to uh, introduce yourselves? Sure, yeah. So, hi, I'm Sadness. Um, my website is at sadgirl.online. Um, I'm a 29-year-old who works in IT, um, and uh, I created the Yesterweb and uh, my own website just because I was tired of how, you know, all the places on the internet kind of start to look the same, and you start to see, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and you kind of get sick of just looking at that all the time. You kind of want something more customized and something that um, you can use to express yourself. Um, and, you know, I always suspected um, that the people who loved making websites, you know, back in the GeoCities days in the 2000s, um, I figured that those people were kind of lost now. Because, like, what do you do that's kind of like that anymore? There's not really much. Um, and the Yesterweb grew into um, something bigger than I could imagine, into a really great community. Hey, I'm uh, Ozzy J. Uh, my website's OzzyJ.com. I'm also 29, and I also work in IT, although I didn't imagine I was going to do that because I actually have my degree in political science. Um, but, um, yeah, I help moderate uh, the Yesterweb uh, with Sadness, and uh, it's been a really fun time. Um, yeah, I mean, we've seen just explosive growth and everything um, just since I joined. I mean, and I actually haven't been in there that long. Um, Sadness, when did you actually start Yesterweb? Um, I started it last February. Yeah, so it hasn't even, it's not even a year old yet, and I think as of today we have over 1,100 members on the Discord yeah. at least. So it's it's been growing like crazy. Yeah, February is pretty recent. I think that I discovered it in, I want to say September of 2021, because Kendall and I, when we were trying to like get the website and like promotional stuff together for big soy naturals we're very adamant that we did not want a link tree mm. or a card no offense but full offense to everyone that has one they're very ugly <laughs> and we're tired of seeing them and um we had a lot of fun like putting together our neo cities and i think that that was how we ended up um discovering your website and just got really enamored with how cool it looks I definitely stole the uh, quiz format from your site to put on ours. Um, 
And I think just like the idea that there was a community of people online who were trying to bring back what was cool about the internet in the 90s and early 2000s was really exciting to us because that's a lot of what we wanted to cover here was just like the way that the internet has become really gross and ugly and four blue websites that we're all tired of looking at. And they only get bigger with each day um, as we are all painfully Mm -hmm. aware. I, um, you know, back in the summer, I was kind of hoping that um, Bitcoin was a fad. NFTs were a fad and it was just going to die out um, because it seems like a pretty (laughs) obvious Ponzi scheme, but apparently it's not obvious enough. No, but the thing about Ponzi schemes and, like, money laundering stuff is that, like, they can't die out until, I don't know, like, the wrong mm-hmm. rich people lose all their money from it. So I think my fear with the NFT thing is not that they're, like, going to be around forever, that they're not going to collapse, but that it's it's going to, like, gradually yeah. collapse in a way that is not funny. Um, <laughs> whereas I think I really wanted like October of this past year, I wanted like something dramatic to happen. Um, but I think instead it's going to be like, we're going to have like another year or two of, uh, I don't know, like more like Gwyneth Paltrow, like making monkey NFT like profile pictures. And then at some point, like some very wealthy person is going to lose all their money and then Nancy Pelosi will be like, we got to regulate this shit. We're shutting down the NFTs. No more chips. No more chips. Yeah, um, so uh, let's kind of go into uh, what is Web3. I know you both are very staunch anti-Web3 advocates as we are, but for the sake of our audience, let's uh, do a quick summary. Yeah, I hate Web3, but I actually (laughs) don't, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but, like, I I just, like, hate uh, all technological progress, like, on principle, and then I can find out the details about it later. So I was going through your website, like, trying to explain what Web3 is, and that was when I was like, we need to get Sadness on the pod, because I... Yeah, I, I feel like um, your What Is Web yeah. 3 website is, like, pretty much the most clear and informative uh, place that I have found for people who aren't, like, completely uh, literate in, like, uh, tech bro speak um, as to what Web 3 is and why yeah. it's um, bad for us as regular internet users. Yeah, and that's part of like what makes it so difficult to explain because it's really hard to grasp even like the smallest concept of it in like a non-tech bro-y way. And it's just because of the way that it's been designed and the way that they've been marketing it like it's really like a vague term, you know, like when I first created my website last year, I was I looked up web3 cuz I was curious, like I wanted to know, you know, what what comes after web 2.0 and there was absolutely nothing on the internet about it like at all there was just like very vague like nothing specific and then around september you know i looked again because i started like seeing people using the term and i was like huh i've never seen that before and the day that i checked was actually like the day that the wikipedia article came out for it so it was like just starting to blow up and i could tell from just like searching for it all of a sudden, everybody's talking about Web3. And, I, like, I watched it come out of nowhere because it absolutely was not like that, you know, a couple months prior. 
And it's, you know, part of why it's so hard to define is because if you ask 10 different people, you'd get 10 different answers. Um, at its core, you know, it's a decentralized online ecosystem on the blockchain. But like those words don't mean anything to the average person. You know, um, the blockchain is basically a giant ledger that records stuff like a bank transaction. But if you were to, you know, put stuff like Facebook or Twitter comments, something with that type of structure onto the blockchain, you know, nothing can be removed it's immutable. Like it's pretty much on there forever. You can't cross it out or delete it. So, you know, that's a really bad thing. Um, and one of the best criticisms of web three that I've heard is that, um, it's just so tightly interwoven with crypto and NFTs and the whole idea of token economies that, it's kind of being like rebranded, like all that stuff rebranded because people are kind of getting tired of hearing about crypto and tired of hearing about NFTs. So let's call it something new. Web3, let's get a different type of people, you know, excited about it. And that's kind of where it is right now. Yeah, I feel like whenever like there's a new like thing that's happening or like, um, some kind of like invention with technology or like online. Um, but the way that it gets like framed is that this is absolutely going to happen. And so we can like take steps to prepare for it or not. I was having a conversation with a friend who's an artist and was trying to persuade them to not go the <laughs> NFT route because um, so many people in the art world are doing that right now. And it took a really long time to get them to agree with me that um this wasn't the guaranteed future for the world of art and that like it would be a bad idea for them to just like not get in on it now because the way that they had been um described it before was that like no matter what this is going to happen and something that i found really interesting on um your like web3 explainer is that this is not inevitable and the way that it's being talked about as it if as if it is an inevitable thing is like part of the marketing around that and i was wondering if either of you could like speak to that a little bit more um yeah i'll jump in um yeah it's, it's definitely not inevitable um web3 doesn't have to do anything i mean it really doesn't have to do with blockchain or crypto or anything like that um the thing is though there's a lot of money to be made by keeping people on platforms i mean that's how facebook and twitter and stuff like that make their money is by creating a platform around advertising um now if you can imagine a web3 where um everything is saved like sadness said on, on the blockchain um instead of the transactions just being between people like a social thing they become tokenized and so you can actually have like speculative markets like how many times will somebody tweet today things like that and then it's just another way for people to make money um but there's absolutely no reason that web3 needs to have a blockchain um the way that they advertise it is that it's going to be decentralized right but the thing is all the big you know corporations and stuff the ruling class if you will doesn't seem to really be fighting Web3. Well, if Web3 was actually taking um, the power away from the corporates and the elites and giving it to the people, why aren't they stepping in? So I think that's kind of where the alarm bells start 
at least for me, is that, you know, they're sitting here saying that it's going to be great for the people, but the people that usually wouldn't want that aren't saying anything. They're actually promoting Web3. Yeah, there's these, like, big conversations uh, between, like, the uh, devout followers of uh, NFTs and and Bitcoin as, um, I think it, you know, uh, we've all at this point uh, seen uh, Dan Olson's two-hour documentary on YouTube about NFTs, but I think the point... um, that uh, he brings up in that and especially is um that in sort of response to the 2008 recession um in like sort of a long form way uh this is being marketed by devout followers of like bitcoin and nft as like a way to break up big banks and this is going to uh privatize uh Mm -hmm. like this means that everyone gets kind of a piece of the pie um, but the thing is, is that like that piece of the pie is still something that you have to buy into and you have to have the capital to buy into. Yeah. And, and it's not it, just it's like expensive. your yeah. monetary value, but like your, your processing power, your, your like literal, uh, Wi-Fi. Yep. I, um, over the summer tried to, uh, buy, uh, parts to build my own PC. Um, and I ended up having to buy a pre-build simply because, um, bots have been buying up, um, a lot of different like core computer parts uh, to create yeah for mining yeah, Ethereum for mining. and for mining Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, so like it's it's affecting a lot of different uh, markets in a lot of different ways, and there is no regulation on that. Um, so if it was really breaking up big banks, uh, why aren't we seeing like you know little friends of of Chase and J P Morgan uh, <laughs> coming forward and being like, "Hey, let's like legislate this. Like, let's exactly. do something about it." Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. It doesn't make any sense. It's like they're relying on us, yeah, like not exactly. putting two and two together. It's, like, it's, <laughs> it seems pretty obvious at a certain point. <laughs> okay, so I feel like <laughs> my role here is to ask dumb questions because I I genuinely do not understand anything about any of this and I think that the thing that's still tripping me up is like I don't understand what value like web 3 or like what it's supposed to be is is like going to provide for people versus like what the internet currently does like what is the reason for like moving towards this new phase of like the way that we interact online and what is that supposed to change like change for us in a way that's like beneficial i like genuinely don't understand it and i feel like still what like we're already at the point where people are talking about it as if it's like definitely going to happen but not we have like never got to the point where people were explaining it in a way where I feel like the average person would be like, oh, cool, like, I do want this to happen. Besides just, like, there's going to be opportunities First for you off, to make I'll money. First off, I'll let Sadness actually answer this because I think she'll be able to answer it better than I can. But I just want to say, when it comes to NFTs or Web3 or blockchain, if you don't get it, that's what they want. You're combining, you know, I've, I've worked in finance, and the financial sector, you know, we talk about tech bros, is extremely opaque, and it's designed that way. There's a lot of technology, I mean, a lot of terms in it. And then the tech industry is exactly the same. Um, and we talk about a lot on the Yesterweb about how, you know, unless you're a developer or a tech pro, things don't really make sense. You know, there are a lot of acronyms and stuff like that. So you're combining the very opaque finance industry with the very opaque tech industry, and you're getting this perfect storm where they can sell you something and you can't understand it. Yeah, and I feel like that makes it difficult, too, for people, like, the when it's being marketed to 
regular people who are not in either of those worlds as an opportunity for them to get in on. Um, I just don't see how that makes sense or is fair at all when if you can't really understand it fully or you need to do all of this like background research to understand it, like how is that going to be um, like an intelligent decision for you to get to get in on this? And it's so it just like inherently privileges a certain group of people that already have that knowledge. Yeah, uh, and it's just well basically banking others. on a person not willing to critically analyze their own situation to that extent. It's just trying to bank on basically people that aren't, you know, very critical about their thinking and that have too much money that they have to, like, spend on that kind of thing. That's the kind of people that they want, you know, buying NFTs and crypto and Web3 stuff. And the value that you get, supposedly, from from them, the value that you get on Web3 is the ability to uh, keep your information your own. You know, so obviously we've seen a lot of issues with data leaks and stuff like that. But they say that you'll be able to keep the data your own, but there's really no... They haven't shown really how that works or, or really how that's going to be the case. You know, it says it's decentralized, but the blockchain in theory is actually centralized. One of the biggest issues is that, um, or one of the greatest strengths of blockchain is that it's anonymous. Um, so it's tied to a wallet. But one of the problems is, if, like I said, this is actually mentioned this, is that if it's tied to a wallet, that's great for finances. But if it's tied to a wallet and it's tied to your Facebook, well, then it, literally everybody can see everything you do on Web3 because it's tied to your identity somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Right, like the, the website could easily publish uh, your home address uh, just even accidentally by being tied to your Facebook um, and everyone would be able to see it, um, even just your IP yeah, you and can't you can't remove, remove it. it. That's, that's actually yeah. the best part about blockchain is that it can't be changed unless 51% of the nodes or the people in it say, yeah, yeah we can change this. It's extremely yeah. difficult so by design. So if your privacy is and, violated, uh, you need yeah. to go um, like almost in council with like 51 different people in order to <laughs> uh, get your um, like all of your private information uh, taken down, which is uh, in yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah, so the that, value. That... Oh, sorry. No, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to ask, just like so the so the value is that it's supposed to like bring back a level of anonymity that we've lost in like the like maybe past decade or so of the internet. Um, I don't know if that. I think that's well. That's part of it because they know that a lot of people are definitely more security conscious now, especially because there's like a new data breach every other week in the news. Um, so that's definitely one of the strong selling points of Web three. But they just don't—they just don't do a good enough job explaining it or selling it for anyone to really understand how that would work. Like especially because the blockchain is public, and anything on that is public. Like. It's almost like they're kind of relying on people being like, you know, I don't understand this blockchain stuff. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Instead of, like, actually trying to put it together and seeing, like, it actually doesn't make sense, you know? Yeah. And actually, yeah. there are job postings. If you if you look up, like, like uh, I remember in the Discord server, we were talking about this Web3 thing that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Sadness was talking about, what's this Web3 and everything that's popping up on Wikipedia? And she had seen it, talked about before. But if you look up Web3, like in, like, job search engines, 
you'll see Web3 developers. That's a position that they're advertising for. But it's not, they're pretty much, the, the business people are relying on developers like they always do to tell them what that means. It's just an investment. Um, you know, they, like you said, they keep banking on it, but what they're trying to do is manifest that technology into something. And it's almost like it's like a, a counter to like the metaverse because it's not the metaverse. It's different, but it's not, you know, but they're all the same. I don't know. It's it's confusing even to us, and we've been sitting here talking about it for like right. over a month now. It's, so. an, it's intentionally obtuse, um, but they're using uh, for, they're marketing it with, with some very uh, powerful words for a lot of people, which include uh, you can make money and <laughs> um, it's yeah. private. Um, like it's secure. Like just these sort of buzzwords. Well, and like, if you wanted to bring back anonymity on the internet, we could just get rid of Facebook. We yeah. just nuke Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That would be so yeah, much do simpler. That. Yeah, exactly. It seems like a lot of the uh, real solutions that um, most people within, uh, you know, we're, we're communists. It's pretty clear. We, we say that all the time. Um, it's pretty clear that the solutions are uh, with tech are pretty uh, simple, but they are. Um, it's they, yeah, they, they are, all the computers. I keep I keep asking why we can't do that, and <laughs> no one no one has a good explanation for why. Um, yeah, I mean they, we we see with Web three and even with Web two point um, this move away from like a peer to peer internet um, where we are um, able to uh, you know possess our own uh, spaces online uh, in a more concrete and tangible way. And it seems like they almost try to market it that way, uh, that there's some form of digital ownership um, and that it's it's so much stronger and more secure than it's ever been, um, but not in a way that is uh, tangible or even um, explainable. Um, and if you merely poked like three holes in it, as everyone does when um, they try to uh, antagonize an NFT bro by saying right-click save, um, <laughs> there are you know, hundreds of ways in which this entire thing can um, completely uh, fall apart. Um, and it's the same with like a lot of uh, even web point, web 2.0 stuff uh, when it comes to like your social media and your internet and how, um, you know, aggregating it to, to four different websites um, rather than having a, a much more expansive internet. Um, it creates these websites that um, are by design trying to get you to stay on there for as long as possible, um, which in turn, mm -hmm. as we've mm -hmm. talked about a lot in the podcast, creates a lot of um, a lot of the problems we're seeing now um, with misinformation and with um, a lack of education, um, because there are not more than one like there's not more than one source that you can go to um, on this that um, isn't you know, staunchly advocating for it, but in a way that is obtuse or the people that are against it, but not quite, still not quite giving you like a full technical explanation of like why <laughs> this is going to be bad for your privacy. These like intentionally obtuse things um, that, um, you know, in, in summary basically are just um, trying to divide us from creating community. Um, almost baked into the design of almost yeah. everything uh, currently on the modern web. Um, so I think, you know, you you guys are both um, talking very heavily um, on 
you know, your Discord and everything, but you also run a lot of different uh, websites that are trying to bring back the feeling of the old internet and that feeling of building community um, when it comes to uh, forums, you know, uh, community-run fan sites, web rings, um, these things you are bringing back, especially with um, the Yester web ring. Um, you know, we have these innovations that are, that are coming forward with the, you know, search engines and SEO that are helpful in finding those things um, than they were in like, you know, the early like forms of the internet where you really did just have to have a web ring in order to uh, know what websites were out there. You didn't really have as many search functions as you did before. Yeah. Um, but like, would you say that um, trying to move towards uh, creating those small web spaces again would be a way to um, uh, show people that you can contribute something valuable to your community um, and to fill a need uh, that you see rather than trying to just make a profit. Um, is there a way to kind of educate people about how to um, move back almost? <laughs> um, we always talk about moving forward with progress on the internet and how to innovate and how to make things you know, better, faster, stronger. But in some ways, uh, do you think that we should move, should move a little slower, or even just take a few steps back? Um, obviously, when nostalgia is a liar, but we have these moments where we realize, like, no, wait, I think that customizable, <laughs> uh, you know, peer-to-peer -peer internet would just be more beneficial for community at large. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... I think things like web rings, um, especially now more than ever, are really important because how else do you, you know, find groups of people online other than going to social media, checking out who someone's following, you know, and a lot of people, I feel like, you know, that aren't on social media, they don't really have anywhere to express themselves, you know, if they're not aware of being able to make your own website on NeoCities or a similar website, because um, even a lot of the old journaling and blogging platforms are gone. Like, everything costs money for a subscription. Um, but we've seen we've seen a lot of people um, show interest, uh, especially in the web ring. The web ring's been growing um, really fast too. And I think what's great, especially about web rings is that you can either like step through it going like page by page to check out a bunch of different pages. And a lot of web rings, they just have like a list of all the members and then you can kind of browse, click on the usernames that stand out to you. Um, I think that's very refreshing for a lot of people compared to just going through a bunch of Twitter bios with like, you know, a couple words in it, and that's really all you can do. Check out their post history, but you don't really get a sense for who they right. are. There's a there's a customizable. So. It's it's almost as if you're kind of walking into different people's rooms, um, and that's why that's what a lot of early yeah. web language was kind of about with like chat rooms and and even web rings. These like ideas of like, even in their vocabulary of um, community building, um, and. Uh, it feels as though uh, there's a lot of uh, desire for that still in the way that people talk about, um, mm -hmm. you know, even like, you know, I have a mild following on TikTok, which is <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, I, it, it was unintentional. We hate them. 
We hate them so much. We hate Kendra's fans. We don't like so much. <laughs> like I, it was, it was completely unintentional, but it happened. And um, the way that I've, I've kind of, I have several accounts on there that I use to um, kind of manipulate the algorithm and see how it works. Because, um, you know, a lot of people in their vocabulary on TikTok talk about, um, like, oh, now I'm on like book talk, and now I'm on this like page. And they talk about oh, it. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, as if you know, there are these different communities. Um, but there's still just like the problem is, is that the algorithm's kind of in the way, right? Um, and it's still creating um, some serious problems in the way that um, these communities are interacted with. You have, you know, certain people who are in, like, even like I would say, like, you know, we'll get into at some point. We'll have an episode where I really get into my I, my thoughts on um, <laughs> furries. <laughs> But there's a lot of like these kind of communities that create that like have like very specific and like hyper uh, like niche like rules and like codes of conduct. Um, and then you have TikTok kind of just like deciding based on this algorithm, like here you're gonna see this now that is completely ripped from the context of this community. And then you get that video goes super viral, and that person gets bullied for like days on end. You have like these like non-binary children who like Five Nights at Freddy's who got really popular from one video and everyone's just saying like, I have no idea what the fuck this even is and like how, like why the fuck are you like blah, blah, blah. Just being like really antagonistic because they don't understand why yeah, they're seeing something. Wow. Um, it isn't clear to them. That's the issue. Sorry, with with an algorithm is that they're not, they're very opaque. You know, just like everything else we were talking about. If an algorithm could be really powerful, you know, if it was transparent and if you knew exactly why you were seeing something or if it was manipulated. So if you could say, I don't want to see any of this and take that out of an algorithm, that'd be great. But they don't make money off of that. You know, that, that those platforms, they make money by keeping you engaged. Um, and then they also make money by making you comment. And if you hate something, you're going to comment more. You're going to be engaged more. It's, yeah, it's, it's it a is. hate machine, it's, really. It's this crazy thing where I just you can see like this this immediate kind of rage reaction from people when they see something that you know doesn't quite fit the mold of what's on their page um and it's not just like it's it's obviously a lot of it comes from a place of like serious bigotry um but also quite a bit of it i think comes from like this this feeling of like why isn't the algorithm immediately catered to me and like why hasn't it like it's doing something wrong and it's broken and like i'm gonna take my rage out on this well, person because of it when in fact it's not broken at all it's doing that on purpose yeah, <laughs> yeah also like the opacity of like algorithms created by big tech has a lot of really harmful implications for organizing as well like something i care a lot about is um mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. gig workers organizing um and something that i've learned uh from them is that like the apps that gig workers work on like doordash or uber or like uber eats instacart whatever like all of them have different algorithms that run them that determine what kind of jobs they see and how much money they make and it's very difficult as a worker to um like advocate for what you want instead because you don't even know how this algorithm that is like determining the way that you make your money does that like you don't know why you're seeing jobs that only pay three dollars versus why someone else is seeing yeah. jobs that pay eight um and so it's difficult to then even come up with an idea of how to be like this is what I want instead, because you don't have that transparency initially. 
um, of what you want to see happening differently. And the same is true for social media as well, where it's it's hard to like make a demand of TikTok and be like, do this instead when you're not even sure what it's doing right now. Um, but I, I had a, another question, I think, which was like, you know, we've been talking a little bit about Discord, which is, I think, another form of um, like big techs like grasp on uh, our lives and like the way that social media has kind of like encroached on everything that people used to do individually. Um, and like Kendall and I, for example, we actually met in a Discord server. So I am reluctant to be like all of these things are inherently bad or bad on their own. But the problem that I see with them is that they kind of take away the ability that people used to have of, of like being able to make these communities themselves. Like I think maybe 10 years ago, um, Kendall and I could have met on a forum or something or, or 20 years ago, but now the, um, number of people who have the ability to like create spaces like that are, they're so much smaller because you don't really need those like tech skills or coding skills to exist on the internet versus like, yeah, even, even 10 and 15 years ago, you, you needed some amount of like basic, um, like HTML awareness in order to navigate spaces online. And so when we're talking now about like how to bring back these like community run spaces or like how to take back that, um, like that power from the internet yourself, I think that a question that a lot of people would have would be like, okay, how do I even start? Because like, I don't know how to put together a forum. So if we, if we nuked discord tomorrow, that would be kind of sad for me. Discord was down for a couple hours, <laughs> like earlier this yeah, week. I and I was like, that. I don't know what to do. <laughs> where are all the, where are all the little friends in my phone? Um, <laughs> and yeah. So like, how did, how did you get started um, on like the, like the path of like being able to create these spaces for yourself and how would you recommend that other people do um, it? Well, on disc, well for discord, um, I've always used discord. Uh, it kind of became my chat app after I guess Skype was, I think the one that I used before that, but that wasn't since like 20, 2012. Um, I think discord, it, despite it being like, obviously everywhere, like it, it's a double-edged sword because um discord is great you know it's easy to use anybody can just hop hop on it and you know kind of make sense of what's going on um but at the same time it's like who knows how much of our data it's recording i guess um i know a lot of bots have like a history of grabbing people's data like it's just not the safest um from a privacy yeah yes. and they were about mm -hmm. to put out nfts they were about to put out nfts like not that long ago which i feel like is the the problem with like these like big tech like social media spaces is like you put in all of this work in like making it great for yourself and for your friends that are on there and yeah. then something like that like happens without any input from you that's like totally out of your control um, meanwhile, they're like taking your money and uh, mining your data, um, and there's not all that much that you can do about it. Fortunately, I think the people that use Discord yeah. got pretty upset about it, and they scaled back their plans on doing that. But they haven't. Uh, like Discord also hasn't promised that they will never put out NFTs. 
Um, and I think that that's just yeah. like some of the control that you give up when you aren't able to like create these kinds of communities yourself. Um, and when the like skill level that you need to have in order to do that is just so high, um, that it, it just like becomes very difficult to be like, okay, I'm going to move my server off of discord and we're going to like start a There's forum a or we're going barrier, to go someplace you know? else. Yeah. Like, it's just we, very we hard to do that. Barrier, um, well with forums. Yeah, yeah, there's like a there's big gap. A massive gap in terms sure. of like whether like your hosting ability um, in terms of like hosting a forum and uh, like e like it used to be pretty easy to just uh, you know buy a domain name and kind of pick it up in like you know twenty even ten years ago, um, but now it, it, the 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 financial barrier <laughs> even for being able to uh, buy a domain name. Um, like also buy enough, uh, you know, basically uh, online web space, um, like enough storage for people to have an online forum and a chat feature um, and the ability to talk to each other mm. regularly with enough server space um, is really difficult. Um, it was a little easier when there was obviously a little less processing power. Obviously we can't, you know, chalk it all up to, um, you know, uh, just a just a financial barrier but also just like a technical barrier of just like it's just a more expensive technology <laughs> in some ways now um but starting your own forum is really difficult so everyone's kind of just moved to private discord servers um which in some ways i think you know like you said it's a double-edged sword right because you have a private space to be able to talk with your friends in your community but then you easily have um, a lot of holes for privacy and then you have you know discord was used very heavily uh, in the Trump era for, uh, you know, radicalized um, platforms for Nazis. So you have these, like, you know, different, like, things kind of pulling <laughs> at um, the idea of creating old web spaces, but it's still possible. Um, you guys have obviously proved that. Um, I know that you uh, have been working on um, the Yesterweb zine um, and trying to kind of uh, create these spaces where people can freely write about um, their feelings about the modern net, the old net, and how um, sort of new media is uh, working towards uh, a different future, um, which I think is uh, absolutely 100% inspirational to both of us. <laughs> um, and we do say that nostalgia is a liar, so like we we say it all the time, so we do want to be careful about like not just like venerating the old web, and but maybe talk about some ways it was kind of setting the stage for online now, and like aspects of it maybe we wouldn't mind leaving in the past. Like for example, I think uh, post 9/11 we had quite a few hyper violent flash games uh, that were just like torture porn um, that I would like to leave in yeah. the past of just <laughs> some seriously uh, violent. Uh, and disturbing imagery that was just freely available to me as a as a young babe uh, that probably shouldn't have been when I think about it. <laughs> yeah, um, well, one thing for sure that um, I definitely think needs to be left behind is, you know, the, the early web was very chaotic. Um, it was referred to as like the Wild West by a lot of different people. Um, and it was very, you know, they people wanted to be racist, they wanted to be discriminatory, and they kind of formed their own little pockets here and there on the internet. 
Um, and part of, you know, what the Yes Rep stands for is building, like, a genuine community and not allowing that kind of bigotry, but we've actually been criticized in the past um, by some people who've come across our website and been like, well, this isn't the real old web, because the real old web, you know we were allowed to say whatever we want about whatever minorities we wanted. And, you know, that's... <laughs> yeah, in the old web, we could say slurs. Yeah, so, like, that's something that I have no problem leaving behind. Like, that is not what the old web means to me or to us at all. Well, and we do have, I, I've said this before, we have, unfortunately, quite a big overlap between alt-right communities that want to bring back that old web and our old web. Mm -hmm. um, so we do have quite a big overlap. So that's why I'm glad that when Sadness uh, made made the, the, the web ring and stuff, that she specifically said, you know, we're not going to be discriminatory, prejudice, no bigotry and stuff like that. So... I don't want to smoke, I just want to smoke. I don't want to smoke, I just want to smoke. There. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we got cut off last time. Um, so that's what the break was in between Pay Pigs and Prayer Warriors. Um, <laughs> so we're back to uh, talk about um, the internet with everybody. Um, I think that, and so that I us getting cut off was like an act of biphobic aggression. Um, it was on the part of who's in charge of the internet. Is it Steve Jobs? It, I mean, he the ghost of Steve Jobs. Sure. Yeah, I think it was him. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we're we're back. Uh, we have Sadness and Ozzy still with us, which was very nice of them to return for this episode, um, which is good because they have a lot of smart things to say. <laughs> Yeah, so um, let's get let's get restarted here. Um, so I guess I kind of wanted to ask about, like, what do we think was like really valuable from the old web? Because um, like, you think about like forums and GeoCities and the like, community run fan sites, like individual blogs, like how search engines kind of contributed to like the finding of those, but then kind of brought it like almost to like a halt <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, it's interesting to think about like how there was so much uh, value in those communities as much as there was uh, some awfulness uh, as was literally put apart by like something like something awful forums, which were a PVP zone um, in a lot of ways. I think, yeah, so, so what uh, what would you consider like sort of valuable about like the old web and what do you think you'd want to see um, kind of stick around in that era? Yeah, um, I think a really big part of it is um, how accessible it was for anybody to just kind of make their own website because there was all these different site builder programs um, and websites like Tripod and Angel Fire and... Um, GeoCities, like all, none of those are really around anymore. And um, even though NeoCities, you know, is a great community, you do need to know how to code 
your own website. It's really not a site builder. Like site builders now are basically, they charge you a, a subscription fee, you know, to use their site building service. Um, so I think that is definitely a great thing about the old web is that they hadn't quite figured out how to monetize um, tools like that. And as a result, it was more accessible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As we know, this um, episode was sponsored by Squarespace, so. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, wait, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I think for me, um, ads back in the day were so much more obvious. You know, it was so much more obvious when there was an ad. Um, now it's kind of more insidious. Like sometimes it has to say like it's sponsored or something, but a lot of times you'll just kind of, it'll just be given to you doesn't necessarily say it's sponsored. Um, and I think of like things like TikTok and stuff like that, where it's kind of like targeted towards younger people as well. Um, so I kind of appreciated back then the fact that it wasn't as predatory, I suppose, is the way I would put it. Yeah, I mean, there were quite a few like, uh, I think, theoretical rules that a couple people made up um, in the sort of early web of like, uh, you have to have an ad, say it's an ad, or else like, um, it would be considered unethical in a lot of way. A lot of like the ethics uh, discussions around like early web developers were kind of about how like there needs to be transparency in advertising. And that's why you had a lot more like banner ads and like clickable ads. Everything said like click here to go to this thing that we are advertising rather than just a made up influencer. I mean, there's a big thing right now with um, there's quite a few companies uh I'll be linking an article in the description below, but uh, there's quite a few articles right now about these sort of fake influencers that these companies are making where they have their own sort of digital storylines. And you yeah. think about how these like made up people, you know, it's, it, I mean, you could say it's kind of like Lonely Girl 15, but Lonely Girl 15 uh, never went out of her way to like sip a nice ice cold Pepsi in front of you in front of the camera. So yeah. like if you think about like these digital influencers that are just uh, kind of made up by a company to create uh, storylines and create content for their own personal gain. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what actually worries me a lot because I, I realized recently that um, because of special offers that some bigger businesses have, like for example, Bluehost, um, you can sign up like for their as a like marketer basically and you market their service and you give people referrer links and whoever signs up with the link that you generated gets you like 25 or 30 dollars in your pocket and so people are being motivated to post on reddit which like like i know reddit is like not the greatest place ever but it's like one of the only social medias that i've spent time on so that's just my experience but people are making accounts and posting like the regular people recommending a product from their experience and it's actually just somebody who's being paid to do that. Oh, and Reddit. like the whole reason why I like going on Reddit is because it's not, it's just regular people recommending stuff. It's not like a company. So I feel like I have a, a bigger level of trust in that way. Right. I mean, there's a certain level where like, I feel like most people now, if they want like real people's advice, if they're going to Google something, they put Reddit at like the yeah. end of the sentence. If they I've done that. Yes. Out. I, I do that all the time because like, it's one of the only forums now. And to think that there's mm-hmm. just people out there that are being paid to go on forums yeah. <laughs> to recommend 
products. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Kendall yeah, said... Yeah, if you ever like action or looking for something... Oh, sorry. oh I'm sorry. You go first. <laughs> no, you're good. Okay. Well, I was going to say, if you're ever actually looking for something, like, I don't know, like the top 10 microphones or something, you're just going to get just SEO garbage. And, uh -huh. like, you don't know... Everything's an Amazon affiliate link. Like, you don't know what's actually, like, legit. You just are like, oh, well, that's probably the most expensive. They're going to get more money from it, so... But, okay. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Now you can go. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, my dogs are being bad. Um, but I was saying that you you sent me an article recently um, about how like Google is just like all fucked up now because of um, like SEO hijacking and like people paying uh, or like corporations paying to be like on the front page. And so as a yeah. search engine, it's not really like achieving its um, like intended function anymore or in its intended function as a search right. engine. It's achieving its intended function as like a, um, a marketing tool and as something mm -hmm. that advertisers can like plug money into. Um, but the amount exactly, of like yeah. searches mm -hmm. that have the question that the person is asking within like reddit tacked on at the end have been like going up and up every month um and has been on like an upward trend for the past few years which i think like demonstrates that people are um like wow. realizing that search engines like are not really providing the information that um they used to um on the internet but is still like a tool that people rely on to take them places online and so have to come up with these like right. workarounds in order to make them work for them. Yeah. There's a constant concealment of labor um, when it comes to the internet. Um, the last time we tried to record this, we ended up after the recording talking about California ideology, which is Cerise and I's favorite uh, <laughs> favorite thing in the whole world. We love, we love citing California ideology, but we were talking about, um, there's a specific passage in California ideology about the dumbwaiter um, as it was invented by Thomas Jefferson, um, evil hog that he is. And he um, invented the dumbwaiter so as to, um, if you don't know what a dumbwaiter is, it's like a mini elevator um, that allows you, run by a pulley system that allows servants to um, basically put whatever the master of the house would need in um, a dumbwaiter in this little mini elevator, like food, or even just like papers, things from downstairs that they forgot for whatever reason, and then just pull it up um, and it would just be in their bedroom immediately. And it conceals the the labor that goes into it because they don't have to see any of the servants. They don't have to see any of the people that they um, are either in indentured servitude or slavery for, or doing the labor in generally for um, their uh, product to be made. And it's the same with a lot of, um, the internet where a lot of like the the labor that goes into um making a website like building things with like in for lack of a better word with like your own hands in a sense um and putting that together so a lot of people just kind of take it for granted that the internet will always be there especially the sites that they always want to be there and in a like while Reddit is like a really successful website that's there's always a chance that one day it'll just disappear yeah. Um, and like the, the ability to make your own website and provide your own space for that is 
something that's becoming uh, more and more difficult to do, especially with like forums. It's really, really difficult to make your own forum. Yeah, I think, I mean, um, maybe the, the chance of like reddit.com disappearing overnight is less likely to happen, but something that has happened already yeah. is um, like after Sestafosta passed, um, a bunch of subreddits that like happened to host some adult content or like had sex workers like conversing with each other were taken down like overnight. Um, and unless you were archiving everything that was on there or you happened to have the contact information of the other people that you were speaking to, like those communities were entirely wiped out. And that is what happens when we like hand over the the reins of the communities that we're in online over to corporations. Yeah, I mean, when we think about the old internet, when we're talking about this, we're talking about um, digital ownership and owning your own, like your digital space. And that doesn't mean just like having a social media profile, but like owning it and being able to make it yourself and customize it and also just have the ability to keep it. Um, and it also is about peer to peer internet and um, the ability to connect with each other on that level. So I guess the next question would be um, like, what does peer to peer internet mean both in the general sense and to you specifically? Um, I guess I would say peer to peer internet is more about people connecting with other people rather like on a, on a more equal basis than perhaps people are interacting on social media, because I feel like on sites like Twitter, there's um, a noticeable difference between just like regular people that use Twitter and the influencers who have like hundreds of thousands of followers and interacts with, you know, a whole bunch of different people. Um when you have a website, it's kind of not like that. Like the, the dynamic between people changes. And I think that's kind of like what's implied by peer-to-peer uh, -peer also. Like just kind of hanging out with people on their own platform instead of relying on a third party to host all that stuff. About I kind of think about social media platforms as like a place where you're renting something, like you're renting a space, and they can they can evict you at any time, um, and they can obviously you know if you if you're saying something they don't like, they can get rid of you. Um, but when you have your own space um, and you're actually like connecting between those, so like you know peer to peer connecting together um, with actual like people individually then you kind of have more of an actual natural conversation too. And it usually is less of an echo chamber and things like that, which is really great too. Um, so yeah, I think I think uh, I can say Yesterweb's uh, all for peer-to-peer -peer, uh, communication. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to think about um, how, like what you said about renting, um, that it's, it's an experience that uh, is entirely up to the the whims of whoever owns the website in general um, and of like the people that you're connecting with, you know, um, there's a certain amount where um, the people that you're talking to in like TikTok comments or uh, Twitter are a little, are somehow even more faceless than people who um, would have like their own, you know, web ring um, of like websites that they talk to because there's a certain amount of like, I feel like almost like personal 
knowledge that you have about a person when they can customize everything that the way that the way that they want to rather than just a twitter profile which yeah manipulated in its own way yeah um, that's actually um it's called context collapse um when you remove something from its context like if somebody just tweets out something and it gets shared a million times nobody knows anything about the person who tweeted it they just saw the tweet but if it was somebody's website then you would be able to like click on the about page and learn about the person and it helps you kind of like put their opinion into context um and that just doesn't exist on social media anymore it's, it's it's similar to what we were talking about in the last episode we just released about um inf instagram infographics and how like this is information that is given authority based on like the design of it um and once it gets shared everywhere all at once like it just kind of loses its context over and over yeah. again where it's just like well this person shared it then it simply must be true and they don't have to go look at the source of it at all um especially when you have all these websites that like require like different steps to get to the point where you can actually see their citations when it comes to these like infographics we made our own oh yeah the, um, we made our own instagram infographic for the episode i live in fear of <laughs> that that infographic taking off and uh, getting some kind of like a rage response you know you see it with like even like s silly things like parodies of like the onion or click hole where people will just like respond to it and just be like, what? This is like, this can't be true. This yeah. can't be real. I can't believe they would do this. Like it's, it's interesting how just like the context of it just completely collapses because they're of like simply the design of the website is almost purposeful in that. Yeah. Regard. What matters is not like the emotion behind like someone clicking on something, but just the click in general that they can just show to their shareholders and be like, look at how many views we have and all these like, numbers they're so high and it doesn't really matter where the where the content came from or what it means um or what it's doing to people <laughs> what matters yeah. is like it's strictly a numbers game and it's really scary um yeah uh cerise would you like to ask the next question no because i don't know where we are on the list anymore <laughs> <laughs> no worries i'll cut this out um <laughs> I think this is, you know, like us being bad at um, like executing yeah. our podcast is actually what like the listeners come come through for. They do. It humanizes <laughs> do. us true. because otherwise, you know, we're like on a on a pedestal and we're like too cool, too interesting. But then they see that you know behind the curtain we can't even follow a Google Doc correctly. Um, right. It's fine. They should see my file formatting that I have for. Uh, all yeah, of the episodes things, we're like they're not, they not numbered correctly. we're not on your level but we're we're close you know <laughs> we're just a little above yeah. the, the, the fans just only only slightly um do you have like it's it should be episode 14 in our giant google Doc. i i um, am yeah. on it now <laughs> But you should still ask the next question. Okay. <laughs> um, so, like, we were talking before about, like, NeoCities is a good platform. It's not always the best because um, it means that you have to code it yourself. But, like, what is NeoCities? And, like, what got you both kind of started on NeoCities? Ozzy, you want to go first? Yeah, I was going to say, um, 
Yeah, so I actually uh, started by looking at what happened to GeoCities. I was really confused because I was like, you know, I, I didn't think about GeoCities for a long time. I used to make websites, uh, you know, what happened to it. And then I kind of just found like all these other people that were wondering the same question. And it turned out that, you know, NeoCities was, you know, trying to kind of revive that. Um, and then pretty much I saw, you know, Sadness's website. I saw a few other people that were part of the YesterWeb, actually. Um, and I was like, wow, there's actually other people like me that, like, love this stuff and don't like where the uh, Internet's going. So that was how I found it, just ironically through Google. But then uh, that time, Google actually did work. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, for me, uh, I think I first saw NeoCities on like, it was like a stumble upon like site where you like click a button and it gives you a random website. Um, and I, I know the first time I saw it, I was very intimidated. I was like, oh my God, look at all these awesome sites. Like I'm never going to be able to build something that cool. And so I forgot about it for like a couple years. And then when Space Hay came out, um, <clears throat> I was, I was just making my own layout. I just copied a template that someone was offering and, and I played around with it to like really customize my profile. And at the end I was kind of like, oh my god what do I do now like I just had so much fun like tweaking every possible aspect and now I'm totally happy with it what do I do and so I decided to go on NeoCities and I guess make a website because that was the, <laughs> the closest thing that I could think of and like at the beginning I did not know anything about like making a website I knew only enough to like tweak what other people have done I but like through having this as like a hobby that I found really fun and relaxing and enjoyable. Like I just kind of picked up on it over time. And now I sort of do have the ability to just like write it all out from memory. That's really, really cool. Oh my God. Stumble upon God. I haven't thought about that in so long. <laughs> what happened to stumble oh. upon? Where did that go? Uh, they became a company called Mix or something, mm -hmm. and they, I think they have, like, Mix.com. It's not that great. It's, like, really, really – it's all marketing, basically. They just want to market people's websites. Okay. So. I was cool. wondering, like, what happened to Formspring the other day because – I was thinking about Formspring, and too. And then we were talking <laughs> about how it's, like, crazy that this website or, like, ever existed um, <laughs> because, like – I yeah. mean, there there are Designed other, to bully, like, there are other yes. like, forms of like social media and other websites where it's like you ask people questions, but it's usually like um, like a curious cat situation where it's like you're asking a creator or an artist or like someone with you know like a project that you're following like questions about their work. Um, but Formspring was like, here's a social media for teens to ask their friends and other people they know anonymous questions. And <laughs> like, I feel like if someone pitched that to me, I'd be like, okay, like you're making, you're making a suicide website. Like you're, you're making a website yeah. for kids to uh, cry and want to hurt themselves. Um, but they were like, no, 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 we are, our intention was not harassment. Uh <laughs> And then they, yeah, they, I actually didn't know about they had to oh, sorry, sorry they had to like fund a couple like it gets better videos 
to like make up for, oh, I didn't know because about there, that. there were um i mean to be expected a few like deaths related to form spring bullying so form spring in order to i guess um like balance the scales a little bit produced a couple it it gets better videos and then they like partnered with obama um to to do like a bullying prevention conference on on mtv and then they were like we're working with mit to develop like an algorithm that will detect cyberbullying. oh my god and and then they like sponsored like a video contest to like make anti-bullying videos um and it's like you know you like oh you just God. like you made form spring like you don't need to make an algorithm like just you could just have not made your like very obviously yeah. like bad website with all of those resources did they fix bullying is bullying did we did we win well, did we beat bullying have you been bullied recently i, I have i haven't been bullied in a little I bit have. so maybe they got rid of it yeah, kind of i have a tiktok <laughs> so i have been bullied okay. oh no but, you know at the same time and this is not me blaming the victim, but I don't know what I, like an uncool 13-year-old, thought I was doing making a Formspring account. I was like, oh, I wonder what kind of questions I'm going to get. <laughs> I wonder yeah. what people will have to say to me. And then all of the questions were like, you're ugly, you're weird, we don't like you. And yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm, sh- I'm shocked that... <laughs> But the people who bully me in real life would be bullying me anonymously. Yeah, I assumed I it was like because I'd seen Formspring. I had never actually used it. I'd seen people like post it, but I assumed it was like people like, do you do you like somebody in your class? Like that's I think that was the harmlessness that it was supposed to have. Like you know, yeah, maybe trying to figure yeah. out stuff like that. But uh, yeah, definitely some bullying on there. There must be a spiritual yeah, successor to this really film. Have, Formspring um, got bought. Like... Oh, sorry, Kendall. Oh, yeah, I was just saying, I remember as a kid, you know, I had, like, computer classes and, like, cyberbullying talks and everything. And from what I hear from my spouse, who is a teacher, they don't do computer classes anymore. And they don't do, like, cyberbullying talks, really. Um, Wow. Yeah, they just don't do it because they just assume that the child is, like, digitally native, which they are not. Once again, I can say, like, from my spouse, like, they're not digitally native. They know their phone. They don't know computers, like, at all. Like, when it comes to making a Google Doc, sometimes they're just helpless. They're like, I don't know what this is or what I'm supposed to do. Like, because they know their phone, they know like an iPad, if anything, you know, you hear iPad children all the time, but like, it's true. Like a lot of kids, they just assume are digitally native and they just work off of that like assumption rather than thinking like a child still needs to learn. Like I learned a lot in computer classes. Mm. I learned quite a bit in like, just like from the basic of like, here's what a computer is, here's what it does rather than thinking it's just like this magic device that does things for you like there was quite a bit of like just the basic like here is what a computer is like it is a it is a box of wires and it will tell you how to like make and it'll help you type like those that was like one of the main first things that i learned like here is a keyboard here is what a keyboard does it's like a typewriter if you've ever seen a little old movie like that's what it does like you can type on it 
here's like the games you can play and like you learn how to type and some of these kids like they've never learned how to type like some of them have had like a mechanical keyboard but they only use it for gaming so they type like oh my gosh finger does anybody think it's ironic that at least growing up my my parents always warned me like not to give out information online but now Mm -hmm. i have to tell them not to give out information online oh all the time yeah that's 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 crazy i'm constantly like hey like um don't just put your credit card number in your DMs. Okay. Like, just don't Wait, do does anyone want to know uh, what happened to Flumspring? Because I was looking into this the other day and it's really funny. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. So what? it got bought by another company that like kind of just like used the URL to like shuffle people to their dating website. But used all the old accounts on Formspring that didn't get shut down as like mm. dating profiles. Like they kept the pictures and the names up. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh no. That doesn't yeah, sound. Yeah, I mean, like obviously like, Wait, I mean, like, like, like these fake profiles, like inactive profiles, but to just like populate the dating website and make it look like there are lots of people on there. So, oh my gosh, yeah, it's kind of sad. Me I hope that I'm not on there because I was Jesus in seventh Christ. grade. I don't remember. I think I stopped having my like well, yeah. spring account when I was like maybe 15. So, I hope I'm not on there. But I guess if I if I am, <laughs> that well, do they owe me money? I, I don't know how it works. Probably not. I probably agreed to like the perpetual use of my like. Like my seventh grade (laughs) selfie, but (laughs) yeah, your middle school soul was is owned by them now somehow. Oh Lord. Uh, Well, (laughs) you were talking about um, Yesterweb, and um, what is Yesterweb, and like what is your experience so far, like fostering the community that you've created there. Um, well, the Yesterweb, I guess, is best described as a um, community that's interested in in the old web, um, not just for nostalgia or nostalgic reasons, um, but because it offered a better experience uh, socially, especially. Um, and I think a lot of people have found us and decided to join because they were getting fed up with social media. Um, just the general vibe of being on Twitter and Instagram and websites like that. It can, it's just very draining. A lot of people um, have expressed like that they stopped using uh, social media as much, or sometimes they, you know, they limit the amount that they use um, because now the Yesterweb has that kind of fulfilling social environment that, people are looking for especially because like everyone's been so isolated lately like people don't want to be alone and even though there's a million people on social media it's extremely isolating to be on there so we just tried to cultivate a space that maybe doesn't feel as isolating and has a little bit more one-on-one interaction um, and you know group social interaction that isn't just parasocial yeah, I mean, you, you, uh, your guys' uh, 
zine has kind of inspired our own little group to make our own uh, zine. So we're hoping to work on that pretty soon. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so I mean, like, the Yesterweb is, like, I think a really inspiring place. I mean, I think that um, there is, like, a desire for a lot of people to uh, return to some kind of... I mean, there's a desire for connection, I think, in, in all people, and it's why... Um, especially like you were saying now there's like a lot of people who flocked to social media for that and then found that it wasn't fulfilling that need yeah um, and then came to you guys for that for that reason but there's a lot of people out there that don't even realize that they that that's the need that they're feeling the emptiness that they're feeling mm -hmm. um but you can tell from the way that they talk about like god i wish i was like born in like 2011 or right. like i wish i <laughs> i wish i was around <laughs> for like my space like these children who are yeah. like god what wouldn't it be so cool to just be around for like early facebook and i'm like man no no facebook is a lot of people going yeah, like like, like typing out their statuses so that it says like kendall is and then like <laughs> oh, also um oh my oh, gosh. i want to say the if there's anyone listening to this podcast that knew me in middle school when i liked your status for a truth is and then you wrote on my wall truth is I don't really know you, but you seem cool. I'm still mad at you for that because I only we only had like 35 <laughs> people in the whole grade. And I went to the same school for the whole time. What do you mean you don't really know me? <laughs> but I seem cool. I asked for the truth. <laughs> and you did not give it to me. This half of the episode, it's just Cerise being bitter I, about Well, school. okay, we're talking about the Yesterweb, and this is what I was doing online, was yeah. being upset. And people not telling me the truth, I, and also I me liking people's statuses where they were offering to write people out of 10, and I don't know why I did that, and then they would write on my wall that I'm a six, and I left it up there. I <laughs> could have deleted it, and I, I would like it, and I'd say thanks. <laughs> I was saying RAR <laughs> with, a, with a W. That's oh, I yeah. Was yeah, me too. I was doing the whole cat thing, you know, <laughs> as you do when you're uh, in middle school. I was, I was making stop motion videos to that song, Bulletproof. <laughs> I, I was doing things. I was being creative, but in ways that were probably not very good. And that's fine. That's the thing is that I think that um, what's really interesting about um, NeoCities and Yesterweb and building your own website is that it doesn't have to be um, like the most aesthetically pleasing thing in the whole world. Like yeah. there's this, uh, I think, thing with social media where like everything has to be so polished because like the website itself is designed to like look really polished with its like rounded corners yeah. and like it's it's very easy to use buttons like we were saying about the dub waiter it does conceal quite a bit of labor but um making something that is just like aesthetically like yours but not necessarily aesthetically perfect is something that i think is really really valuable um with old old web stuff um that i really really liked about creating our neo cities website which um is always linked in our description Dogs ever clicked on the description i'm i'm waiting i'm waiting for you to do it did you do it okay you did it anyway <laughs> um but yeah i i was so inspired um seeing some of the stuff with with yesterweb and with the web ring um you guys have created an amazing community on there um so 
if there were other people out there that wanted to bring back the small web, like what could they do? Um, like, would they need to create a web ring? Would there be like, what are like the steps that you think that like they should take like first? Um, I think probably first they should make a website um, just so that they can have the experience of having a space on the internet that's totally their own um, and they can create more than one page. So it's like having little rooms. I think that's a great starting point. Um, and basically anything that involves being creative, being collaborative, and not centering everything around profit or making sales or commissions or anything like that, like, that is definitely not the vibe that we're going for because, like, so much of the internet is already focused on how much you're willing to pay for something. And... Um, that, that is kind of limiting sometimes because, uh, obviously it costs money to like buy a web server or something like that. Um, but that's kind of why NeoCities is so cool. Um, they do have like a, a paid tier, but it's $5 a month, I believe. Um, and you actually get like a lot of space and everything and you don't even need it if your site is like really simple and you just want, you know, a basic website with, um, no huge videos or like huge galleries of photos like the free account would work perfectly for anyone right just like a calling card is like enough sometimes you know yeah um yeah Ozzy would you have any like steps that you think people should yeah take? yeah we um you know we do obviously advocate for people to make a website there's been actually discussion that you don't really need to make a website to be part of the yes web and that's absolutely true but it does, like Sadna says, it, it helps give you that experience of like, almost like owning a space on the internet instead of renting it like we've always done. Like a lot of these younger folks that join the Yesterweb, they grew up with these platforms. Like their tools for creation um, are like Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. Instagram is, I'm, I'm just gonna, I was gonna complain there for a second. Instagram is such a confined space. It's it, like you said, like with infographics and stuff, the image, like it's just an image and there's a lot of, weird things in place but on your own website you can do whatever you want and you if you go through the esther web uh web ring and you go through all those websites and no website looks alike not not even ones that have used like sadness's like layout generator no none of them look alike you know yeah all these different websites and stuff so that's the main thing is at least uh join a space on the web that allow that when you're on it doesn't drain you because, I, I mean, I know, like, that's one of the reasons I left Facebook originally is because I just felt tired. I'd, like, go on, I'd scroll down Facebook, and I just was exhausted. I mean, I don't care what these people are saying anymore. And just find real people to connect with. That's really what the web's about. Yeah. But also, you can make a pretty cool website, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, not being afraid to reach out, um, taking the time to make your own space, and seeing if it's the kind of hobby that you really want to create uh, seems to be a big thing of uh you can get back to that desire of the small web um one day at a time one person at a time um Cerise, did you want to yeah, our ask final the last question. question so i think have? we we talk a lot about like the intersection of organizing and the internet and the way that like online can be um helpful or a hindrance to that um and we were wondering if you had any ideas about ways that this like small web movement could be used um, as a vehicle for different kinds of organizing and, and how you would imagine that working out? 
Um, well, I definitely think um, a lot of the people in in online spaces in general, um, they spend a lot of time there because maybe they don't have the best, you know, communities that they live in. Like, it's not very easy to join clubs and um, organizations and stuff because maybe there's just nothing of that variety in your area. Like I know that's where kind of like where I live, I live in the suburbs, but like the only kinds of groups and events happening around here are for like new mothers and like little kids. And that's pretty much it. Um, so I think the internet is a great way to allow people who might not usually be able to, you know, go out and socialize, um, or organize something. Um, and there's actually a couple of people in our server that are working on, you know, uh, putting together educational information about organizing, um, especially unionizing, like in their job. Um, and I think that's really cool. And they're kind of using the internet as a platform to spread the word about it on places like um, Reddit or just in general places where people go where they might be interested in organizing, but like not exactly know how. And I think the internet is just like a great vessel for that kind of information because it has the potential to reach so many people. I agree. Um, yeah, there's definitely that kind of traditional organizing, but I think one of the things that we've noticed, uh, you know, at least I've noticed is that a lot of people have developed bad social behaviors from being on platforms, you know, things that like you would never say in actual conversation. And I think a big part of the Yesterweb, if we do want to organize into something bigger, is tackling those issues, T pretty much giving people a healthy space to discuss, and then giving them the tools to uh, fix those behaviors. Because, you know, um, the internet, kind of like Sadness was saying a little bit, it, it's, it's a lot of people that may not get as much social interaction as they usually might in their communities because there's no place for them in their communities. So um, I think that's a big way that we can help people. But, um, you know, just to be just to be fair, uh, Sadness and I are both Marxists. So, you know, we, there's some Marxists. <laughs> there too. So, you know, I, I know we're on a Marxist friendly oh, podcast friendly. here. So, you know, if that's, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, kissing. there you go kissing, kissing marks. but you know so there is some of that you know we do like to we do uh we have a little what, what did we do well, i should say um madness on the server organized a little book club and what did what did we read what was the great title of that do you remember sadness um historical it was... trends and historical fem uh, yeah philosophical trends in historical historical feminism. trends and, yeah, <laughs> and feminism. Yeah, it was oh, it was a really great book. Such a good book. Um, and so, you know, for people that do want to learn more about organizing in general or, you know, things like Marxism or, or anything like that, we definitely have the resources for that, too. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, as 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 we go forward with like, you know, modern web, web 3.0, you guys are working really hard with um, the NFT being being anti web three, I think is a it's important to take those stances and have those like public pages. You guys have some amazing pages that we will be linking uh, that really explain it. And like we said in the beginning of this podcast, in the most like 
simple format possible. Um, yeah, and, you know, as things go forward, we have things like the Earn It Act. Yeah, that was, that was um, the last thing I wanted to talk that, about like, was that, like, we have been focusing on Web3, um, like, slowly creeping and threatening our um, experience of online right now. But the other thing that's coming is, like, this... I mean, it's like a sister to like Sestafosta, basically, but the Communications Decency Act was passed in 96, and it was the first time, like the first of many times, that Congress was trying to like regulate um, like porn online, and um, it like tried to regulate it, you know, with the same sort of like reasoning the way that we have now, where it's like, children online might potentially be exposed to obscenity and so therefore like we need to scrub the internet of all uh like porn and adult content but then of course like we have talked about before on this show like what is considered adult content is very nebulous um and who that affects um mm -hmm. like tends to be the like most marginalized people online and it's just often used as a way to like censor people as well as like making the internet like an unsafe place for sex workers but it was struck down um i think the like the aclu um like went to the supreme court about it and the result of it actually ended up being um that like operators of internet services are not considered publishers which means that they're not legally liable for things that happen on their website which is why um, like sex workers were able to flourish online for a long time because the sites that um, maybe people are having those conversations on or like having transactions or like setting up appointments like those sites aren't legally liable for what happens off the site um, but that's been changing that's something that like SESTA-FOSTA was like changed and the Earn It Act is like threatening to do that as well um, it just like wants to put more responsibility on website operators um, and really like threatens the safety of a lot of people online. And I know that it just like recently passed unanimously in the Senate Judiciary Committee in February, like earlier in February. Um, and so we this is something that we should be like paying attention to and worrying about. Um, because I think that we've all experienced the way that SESTA-FOSTA has, like, affected um, really every, like, website um, since it's passed. And it, like, not only makes the internet, like, a less fun and free space to spend time online, it also makes online, like, a very dangerous place for sex workers to be on. And it makes the real world a lot more dangerous for sex workers as well because they can't, like, safely set up um, anything online or vet people in the same way that they used to. And people said when SESTA-FOSTA was like about to be passed that it was going to drive sex workers into the streets and it was not going to um, prevent sex trafficking and no one listened. And now there is more sex trafficking and um, more sex workers who are like unsafe um in the real world so i think i just wanted to note that this is like something to pay attention to I, and something that we should be working on like organizing oh, um, against 
I have something special about it because I decided um, out of curiosity to email Diane Feinstein, Senator Diane. She's alive? <laughs> to get, I, yeah, she's Are alive sure? still, surprisingly. Um, yeah, I, you know, I thought she got they hit in the like ankle by Queen a razor scooter and just dissolved. I don't know if she's now. alive. <laughs> I mean, I got an auto email because I just wanted to see how her office was responding to these uh, the outcry about the Earn It Act. So I also sent an email, um, and here's what I got. Dear Kendall, thank you for writing to me about child sexual abuse material found online. Once again, didn't start it with the Earn It Act, started with that. <laughs> so that she know, like, so that I know that it's actually about child sexual abuse. It's not about censoring people. Um, I appreciate the time you took to write, and I welcome the opportunity to respond. Sure, Diane. I am proud to be an original co-sponsor of the Eliminating Abusive and Rampant Neglect of Interactive Technologies, the Earn It Act of 2022, uh, which was introduced by Senator Lindsey Graham and Richard Blumenthal, the uh, Senate Judiciary Judiciary Committee, uh, of which I am a member, unanimously approved the Earn It Act on February 10th, 2022, and the bill now awaits consideration by the full Senate. If you would like to watch this meeting, you can do so here, and here's a link. And then the Earn It Act would amend Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act to remove the liability shield for interacting interactive computer service providers that allow that continue to allow child sexual abuse material to exist on these platforms. The bill would also establish a national commission of online sexual exploitation prevention. I guess that would be NICOSEP. I don't know. Um, com composed of diverse government, private sector, academic, law enforcement, and survivor voices. The commission would recommend best practices for companies to prevent online child sexual exploitation and encourage broad collaboration. You may be interested to know that a number of important changes were made to the bill since it was first introduced. For example, the commission would still establish a set of best practices to companies, for companies to follow, but the compliance would be voluntary. Section 230 immunity would also no longer be conditioned on compliance with the commission's best practices. The language was also clarified to ensure that private communications unrelated to child sexual abuse would not be affected. I believe these changes help strike an appropriate balance between personal privacy and public safety. And then it goes on to talk about how it's a federal crime to own child porn, which, yeah, um, <laughs> I know that, Diane, thank you. Um, and that she's she'll be sure to keep my perspective in mind. So she's okay. trying to basically say that somehow this won't trying to reassure me somehow that this won't affect uh, people who aren't um, like harboring child sexual abuse material. Right. Yeah, but, only, but at the same time, that's, that's a, you know, that's a decree. It's not a promise and it's not mm -hmm. written. It's just, uh, these are, this is a change that was made, but no specific like wording. She didn't give me like a PDF of like what the Earn It Act looks like now versus Hello. what it looked like then. I, um, yeah. Well, the, there's just a reason to mistrust Still this, especially with the past like, that we have about Boston And Zesta. no one has to agree with me and we can say that I'm joking, but this is why you don't need to, don't write to your senator, get a, get a gun. <laughs> <laughs> we can say We're that joking. I'm joking. 
Good. <laughs> you know, okay, so we were talking about this in the Yesterweb, um, and Sadness and I poured over the Urna Act for like, well, I don't know, like six hours, Sadness? It was more yeah, than I actually ran them through a difference checker so yeah. I could actually see the lines that were added and removed in the two versions. And she's right. So everything she said sounds right according to how I interpreted it, interpreted it. And that's what's kind of frightening to me is the fact that the changes have watered it down a bit, but it still doesn't do anything to protect marginalized peoples, like you, like you said. But on its face, it sounds good. I mean, like to most people, it would sound like a good thing, you know? Yeah. And that's why I'm so confused, because like I know the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, I think it's called, they've been very outspoken against this um, bill, but I after reading a bunch of articles on their website about like how anti that bill they are, they posted like a fact sheet and the fact sheet was all like positive things. And the fact sheet kind of had the vibe of like, this isn't really like a legit problem. Like it's not really going to affect anybody. And I, I just feel like I, I've been aside from like the original source like, I, I don't know if I can trust, like, a lot of the other sources that are writing about it, because when I compare a lot of these different blogs and stuff that I see to the actual text that's in the bill, it's, like, I don't know exactly where the ideas are coming from. Like, yeah. nobody is citing it directly. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, no, there's no citation in this email from Diane Feinstein herself about, like, mm -hmm. what this is. She's just, and she's using a lot of specific wording saying thank you for messaging me about your concern about child sexual yes. abuse rather than my concern about internet safety yeah. it's very clear that she wants yeah. me to she's trying to exploit a very like you know moralistic concern yes. that a lot of people have you yeah. know it's a it's a very morally like fraught issue yep. is child sexual abuse and so it's easy to pass things having to do with that that's what fosta sesta kind of did in the first place was a lot of a lot of the arguments for FOSTA SESTA were about like, well, what about child prostitution? What about child sexual abuse? Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, as we see with like, we can make a direct tie to this, unfortunately, with like things like the rise of QAnon and how a lot of these people make these like faux concerns about child sexual abuse, the Wayfair conspiracies, all it's that. It's like when people how, start like, posting things about, like, sex trafficking, and they're like, you gotta watch out. Like, someone's gonna leave a post-it note on your car. And $20 bill in your yeah, windshield. and that's, like, a sign okay. that something's yeah. gonna happen. And it's like, um, not to, to minimize the dangers of sex trafficking, but actually, if you want to be, like, on alert for it um, happening to you, chances are much more likely that it will be a person that you trust in your life who is trying to entrap you into that rather than a stranger yeah. um, putting a post-it note on your car or saying something weird to you in a parking trying lot. Trying to hamburglar you away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, and this is kind of like the, the thing that concerns me immediately with things like her letter where it's just like, oh, you're immediately trying to exploit like some kind of moral value in me. Yeah, it just kind of raises off. red flags. Yeah. 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 Notice I mean, the wording. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's if, if the ruling class or elites are echoing the exact same sentiment in the exact same way, it's not an accident. And it's not just, you know, virtue signaling here. There is something going on. And what I think, like I said, like we poured over the text and the text of the bill 
isn't scary. The text of the bill isn't scary. It's all of the ambigu- ambiguities about that wording that leaves at least me concerned about it, you know, especially for marginalized people. So. Yeah, and especially when you look at who's sponsoring this bill. I mean, Lindsey goddamn Graham. An yeah. of truth. Like, it, there's just something, like, very, like, there's a lot of, like, Hobby Lobby people, people who are adjacent to the Hobby Lobby that love this. I have and, personal like, beef with the Hobby Lobby. This is very much not on topic, but I just want to point out that the CEO of Hobby Lobby, what's his name, like Steve Green or something, like he has the largest private collection of uh, like Dead Sea Scrolls and like early biblical texts. And you're only allowed to study them um, or like study anything from his private collection if you go through any of the like accredited um, approved universities um, and like get permission that way but all of those universities are like very christian of a certain kind um which means that like unless you are already like holding a certain set of beliefs like you're not going to get to like interact with these texts at all which is really frustrating because like it's not just fundamental christians who would have like a scholarly interest in reading those things like it would also be important for Jewish people as well as like Muslims and also just like historians in general and that is why anytime you see something coming out being like new info from the Dead Sea Scrolls and you read it and it's like weird and like bunk and bullshit like that's why and I just think it's like very gross that this billionaire gets to like hoard um, all of this like very important like knowledge and history because he's got money and, and Steve Green I'm also going i'm i'm joking but when i get my gun 3d printed to me and sent to me in the mail i will be going to the to the museum (laughs) of the bible asking for this 3d printed gun we asked for a long time for someone to send us a picture of themselves in a corduroy suit and through persistence we got it. <laughs> and so I think we, we just have to like, we, get it like we gotta plant so. the seed of someone through me printing me a gun and sending it to me in the mail. And then I will have it. Which is and so, it's all a joke. We're all we're all joking all here. Joke. But electoralism doesn't work. I don't wanna smoke, I just wanna smoke. I don't want to smoke. I just want to smoke. All right. Thanks, everybody. We uh, we think that this is the conclusion of the interview. Hopefully, if this time you get through. <laughs> um, but uh, sadness. Is there anything you'd like to promote? Um, obviously, the the guest or web ring, as always. Um, but uh, let me know. <laughs> Yeah, um, the Yesterweb, yesterweb.org for sure. Um, We also have yesterweb.org slash radio, which is our radio. Um, We're taking uh, submissions for music from independent artists. Um, And, oh, we also have our zine going on. Um, We're accepting entries of all sorts um, before, I believe it's April 20th, 420. Um, So, yeah. Those are the things we got going on right now. Perfect. And, you know, if, you know, we encourage everyone uh, listening to this to make their own Neo Cities website. And if you do 
please send us an email at bigsoypodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what it is. Um, and maybe we'll make our own little web ring. Maybe we'll have some fun with that. With our yeah, literally yeah, have, that would be so we literally fun. have a web ring. You said this in oh, the, in the recording ring. that got <gasps> deleted, but we literally have one. We have a web ring. I've totally forgotten about our web ring. Okay, well, you, my emotional labor it's, is it's getting deleted. It's getting deleted. I'm sorry, but we okay. So we do have a web ring. Yeah. And if you do want to join it, please send us an email at uh, bigsoypodcast at gmail um, Let us know what your website is, what what you're all about, um, and we're so excited to see it. Um, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. We're Big Soy Naturals everywhere. Um, we also have our Twitters linked in the bio. I am she Herzog, um, and I believe Cerise is commodified or commodify this. I am commodify this on Twitter and okay. on Instagram, and I am commodified on Tumblr. Okay. Okay. Great. So that's that's all good there. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Sadness and Ozzy, for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, we're so we're so excited to put this out finally. Um, and yeah, so thanks everybody. Shut up. Goodbye. Bye. I don't want smoke. I just want smoke. Cock is one of my favorite tastes. I don't want smoke. I just want to smoke. The American when I hit the pipe, I'm like Walter White. Not only smoke, that, I feel like the balls smell amazing. Yeah, I like green because it makes me lean. And I smoke hot because I'm blowing clouds. When I hit the then it's time to smoke. The there are dangerous people. Like, like, I cannot when I hit get it far enough down my throat to be satisfied. I don't want to smoke. I'm only satisfied when I feel those intense, powerful, salty, hot pumps of cum down my throat. I don't want to smoke. I just want to smoke. This is a certified Big Soy Naturals classic.